Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm Chris Valentin, and welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And today I have Cole Zig, who is him and his wife, Caitlin. They actually lead More Revolution which is a ministry dedicated to really kind of sexual purity. Yep. So, hey. You forgot what? your favorite employee, too. Oh, who else did I forget? You for, No, you forgot to say I'm your favorite employee. Oh, yes. You, you are my that favorite part of the introduction. Employee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, before we go on, tell us a little bit about you and Kate. Tell us about yeah. you guys. So we have been married for 16 years have four kids. We made four kids in five years. You made, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you're good at and you do a lot yeah, of that exactly. in life. Did a lot. And uh, yes, yeah, so we've been directing Moral Revolution. It's been over five years now. Before that, we were youth pastors in Sacramento. And uh, yeah, that's the, the short of it. We are fully entrenched in youth sports in our personal life at, these days. And uh, How old are your kids? 12, 11, just turned 11, eight and seven, we're right in the fr- period where they're all having birthdays, so I have to like actually think. So 12, 11, 8, 6, almost 7. Wow. Yeah, it's a busy so house. You got a busy house. You're leading more revolution, yeah. part of Bethel, the yeah. Bethel team. Yeah. So, hey, what are you, you know, we're in the middle of a moral mess in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And we see, you know, uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, I mean, the hookup culture, these things are on the rise, we don't seem there doesn't seem to be an end to the acceleration of in in my mind what's you know the immoral culture. What what are you doing to help? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. It, it you you there really isn't an area you can look and think, oh, that looks like we're winning there yeah, right now. Not right now. Like it feels like every area that you look. Um, the, I really believe, and what we our team prays a lot into is the reset. I think that it's gotten to the point where I feel like something big is going to happen that is going to shock people and help them realize how lost they have been and woken them up. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what we've started to focus our efforts onto is declarations of truth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even a few years ago when we joined, it was, we were making a lot of e-courses and creating resources, which we still do. Yeah, of course. But in the last, I would say probably six months to year to a year, we've been creating a lot of content that is about, well, we actually want to, somebody needs to be stopping and saying, wait a second, this is what the truth actually is. Because yeah. even the church is confused on that. <laughs> You know, so we have, we've launched a campaign called Porn is Lying to You, where we're creating content and, and videos and resources around the reality that porn has actually not educated America well, and yet it has been the sex educator for the last 20 years. Yeah, exactly. The average kid finds it by 11 years old. Um, that's what's informing kids about what sex is. Well, it's sowed a lot of lies into the belief system of minds and hearts. Uh, we're currently in the middle of a truth campaign. It's called Truth Is, and where we're we're creating videos and content around that declaration of, wait a second, here's what truth, here's what the the fact of the matter is on this topic. And so, really, I think the season that we're in, you know, it ebbs and flows. And, yeah. you know, we try mm-hmm. not to react to culture, but we're in culture, and so a lot mm-hmm. of what we're doing and we're creating is in response yeah. to... And the trends that we've seen, you know, we'll go to a church now and we'll speak 
and we will read about Adam and Eve. God made them male and female, period, not comma. Yeah. And we'll teach just on creation, and I'll have multiple people that disagree with me at the end of it. Well, yeah. what do you mean? What, what do you mean it's only male and female? What about this and this and that at churches? Yeah. And that's when we began to realize these lies, this isn't actually a outside of the church issue. No. These lies are an inside of the church issue right now. And if everybody's so scared to declare what the truth is, then where's anybody going to be able to find the truth of what God's heart really is for humanity? And so um, we've definitely moved more into declaring and creating content that's centered around that, given that we feel like that's what the church needs right now, is it needs people to say, hey, here's what the Bible actually says, and we have to be willing to accept this. Where do you think that people are getting their, quote, my truth? Where, where do you think, where do you think that's, if their core values aren't coming from the Bible, and right now we're even talking about Christians, where do you think their, where do you think their core values are being generated from? I think unequivocally social media. I mean, even you, people like to say kids are spending all their time on screens. Adults are spending all their times on screens. You know, partway through COVID, one of the lines that Bill said in one of his messages that has stuck with me from that moment and I think is very applicable to where, we at, where we're at today is he said, if you're spending all of your time reading the news and on social media, then your anxiety is self-inflicted. Yeah, wow. And I think that COVID supercharged bad theology, bad belief, bad ideas about humanity, bad belief systems about sexual identity, because we took all, we took the entire world and we put them in their house and all they had to do was, all they had was to be entertained by social media and other people's ideas. And when you get on the internet, ideas are passed off as fact. And so now we have people's ideas and people's opinions and we became dependent on being on a screen for entertainment, I would venture to say it's very rare for a Christian's time in the Word in a 24-hour period to outweigh a Christian's time on a screen. Oh, I would say it's uh, 99.999% of the time. So if we're not here, and all we're doing is looking at other people's ideas that they're passing off as fact— we have developed in the last two years a very distorted view of humanity, and it becomes humanism, really, because we've become so consumed with how I feel. Every, I'm the God. I'm, here, I'm who God is here to serve. It's this humanistic meshing of Christianity where we're convinced that we are the reason. And that idea that has even infiltrated the church comes with, well, if a good God would want you to be happy no matter what that means— a good this this concept mm-hmm. that a good God would want these things and would want you to pursue whatever you want. I really believe that it supercharged these last couple of years simply because of our media intake. I think that that is, in my opinion, this not not that that's the root, but that it was almost like that was the fertilizer. It's a platform. Yeah, it was the platform that fertilized that the soil and it caused that grass to grow at an exponential rate. You know, First John four says when we see him speaking of Christ. <clears throat> will become like him. But the challenge yeah. that you just, you know, what you just said is when you don't see him, we end up with a God in our image instead of becoming instead of becoming people who are made in God's image. Exactly it. So we have created our own image of God. Mm-hmm. We've created our own God, basically. Yeah. And we've taken away hell, so there's no repercussions for any of your 
actions are attitudes. Yep, exactly. And we basically said, listen, you, you no matter you know, loving God wouldn't wouldn't let you go to hell. Yep. And we've taken away, so we've taken away all the ramifications of any behavior that you might have. Exactly. And what what do you think's what do you think's at the root of all this? I think it. I think it's pretty standard in humans if it goes unchecked. Mm-hmm. Like my my second son Connor, we were at dinner. I don't know this is a couple years ago, and Connor is my honest child like mm-hmm. embarrassingly so sometimes like he's transparent the, he's the one that we don't want him to know family secrets because everybody's <laughs> gonna know those yeah. and we're sitting at the dinner table and my daughter looks at me and she goes dad you're the best dad in the world and connor goes Psh, no he's not <laughs> and i'm dying to hear connor's you know i just laughed even at his response and i go what do you mean buddy like why am i not the best dad in the world he goes well there's a lot of dads how could we know you're the best one like there's so many dads out there <laughs> and I go, well, what would it take for me to be the best dad in your mind? And he goes, well, you'd just have to give me whatever I wanted. Oh, that's the best dad. That'd be the best dad in his mind. You know, he was eight at the time yeah. or nine in his mind. What would it, what it would take to be the best dad is for me to give him whatever I want. And I think that that's probably pretty common in an unchecked child who hasn't been taught, hasn't been loved, hasn't been disciplined, right? And so we talked through it, and we used it as a teaching moment, and we explained it. And he now realizes, oh, yeah, a good dad does hard, takes me through hard challenges and teaches me and disciplines me. The problem, and so I think, I think you have that as a human. Like, yeah. we have that in us where, at, at our core, mine we want what's ours when we're selfish. It's, we're selfish. Yeah. I, I had to learn to be selfless. Yeah. I'm still learning to be selfless. Yeah. Like I, I was never more exposed than the first couple of years of my marriage and how selfish I was. <laughs> you, you thought you were so sacrificial oh, man, until I'm, you got married. Exactly. And your wife asked you to do something. You're like, what? Yeah. I'm the head of this home. <laughs> exactly. And then you have kids and you're like, wow, I thought I had the selfishness <laughs> thing figured out. And now I just made children. <laughs> so I think that it's there. I think that when you then put everybody in a situation where we're now expected to get paid for doing nothing because COVID just taught us that mm-hmm. we can get paid and be at home and not actually work a full day. Yeah, we can. And now, now you start to see the videos that come out where you've got 22, 23, 30 year olds even sitting there crying because their employer made them work an eight hour day. I remember this video I watched yeah. this week. This this young man sat there and in tears, my employer is putting me through un workable work conditions. I had to work an eight hour day. Yeah. I had to go to work. (laughs) I thought, yeah. Oh dear father. Yeah. Like I think that that's at the core. If we're not disciplined and we're not discipled, if we're not putting ourselves in a place where we're being discipled or we're being challenged, I had to teach that thought process out of my eight year old son. That's really good. Actually, what makes me a good dad kiddo is that I'm always here for you. And then I make you do your chores and that I wake you up for school and make you do things that you don't want to do. And yes, a part of that is I give you the things that you need and, and oftentimes the things that you want. But it's not just that. He had to be taught that. Totally. We right now have a culture that doesn't want that message. Yeah. And so if we don't want that message and we're spending our time consuming content, we're not spending our time engaging in relationships that are making us better, we've become our own echo chamber of theology. It's, it's true. And then our social media, whatever posts we follow, basically the algorithm tells us, oh, that's what you want to hear. And they just you get. reinforce yep. whether the lie or the truth. They reinforce what we already believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to shift subjects a little bit because 
I, this is probably the biggest challenge that parents are facing right now. You know, when I was in high school, you know, the big challenge was, the, you know, World drugs. World War One. Drugs. Oh. What did you say? <laughs> I said World War One. World War One. <laughs> no, I was. No, it's actually no. It was actually uh, Korean War. I'm just teasing. I, I'm pretty close to that age. Now. <laughs> but now nowadays, you know, moms and dads are facing. You know, uh, Johnny thinks he's a, a girl. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, Mary Mary has a has a girlfriend that yep. it, she's involved with romantically. And she's fifteen, mm-hmm. and you know, where what do you do? Like, you know, I know you you hear this every yep. day, right? And uh-huh. this is part of the generation we're trying to shepherd and pastor and yep. help, right? So what are some things you should do and what are some, you know, and I realize it's going to be individualized. Yeah. I get that. But what are some of the goals that you should have when your daughter comes home at 15 and says, hey, I'm dating another girl. Yeah. Um, uh, your your son comes home and says, I believe I'm a homosexual. Yeah. Like, and, you know, we're talking about teenagers now. Yeah. What what should, like, what, what do you, just let's, let's begin the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, before I even get into some of the the organic parts, just resources, you know, Changed is a ministry that's a part of Bethel yep. here, part of Moral Revolution. They've created some unbelievable content on this. We have a, a series of videos called the Thrive Series. They're all free videos that you can watch from experts that speak directly to those types of questions. It'll give you a question in a video. So, so you can you can get to it from moralrevolution.com and link through change or you can go to changemovement.com. So if you if you want more on that, that's where I would tell you to start. That's you can start so to consume good. a ton of content there. So you actually have curriculum around yeah. and that are that are giving you intelligent answers. Exactly. And by the way, I want to just add a plug to that. The change the change uh, movement is being led by former homosexuals. Yeah. Ken and Elizabeth. Ken and Elizabeth. Left so, that lifestyle. Yeah, really, they led that lifestyle, and they really have some real good insight yep. into how to speak to your kids. Yeah. Now, on a more, like, if you're like, I got a conversation I have to have today, and I don't have time yeah. to watch all that and to start it, I think that the, the key thing that parents need to remember is it really all comes back to identity. Yes. You know, and affirming that identity. A lot of students right now are trying things out because it's the cool thing to try. Their brains are undeveloped. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the equivalent of a kid trying out ding dong ditching and then realizing that wasn't a good choice. Yeah. But there is that sense right now that it's so Mm. common to experiment that a kid isn't likely gay. They are or even really feeling like that. They're just trying this out and going down that path. And so I really encourage parents to reaffirm identity. I think we have to remember and trust in the intelligent design of the creator that we know in our heart, we were created for a man Mm -hmm. and a woman. And so reinforcing that in a loving way, I think is really huge right now. Uh-huh. I think listening, figuring out the why questions is what we always say. Start asking why questions. The Why do you feel this way? What was the first time that you felt this way? What sparked this? Oftentimes, whether it's homosexuality, transgender, uh, a sexually active teen, 
you find pornography is at the base of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's very rare to have a situation where pornography didn't come in early and then have an impact on that child's sexual belief and yeah. sexual experience. And so, you, you know, the language, the other, one of the other phrases that we've coined is you want to have a lot of discovery conversations. It's really easy as the parent to freak out. Like, yeah, I'm going to tell you <laughs> the way it ought to be. Yeah. And that's not probably going to work. Yeah. Discovering what's going on in their heart, mm-hmm. what led them to where they're at, why they feel what they feel right now. Um, and I think letting go of having a finish line of completion in your own mind. Because a lot of times for a parent, it's like, oh, man, they're a junior. I've got a year and a half to get this fixed. You have to discover their heart again. Mm -hmm. Because if they're coming and telling you something you didn't know, that means you've lost, you don't know where their heart's at. And you have to rediscover that. So you got to go on this journey of discovery. Yes, absolutely, the goal is complete restoration in their sexuality to the way God designed it. Mm -hmm. The process to get there is one of discovery, one on affirming identity, and one of demonstrating to them what God's design is. One of the, I don't know if you even remember this conversation that you and I had and years ago. My oldest son had started to make friends with somebody that had gay parents. And we were trying to decide, like, <laughs> what line do we draw here, right? Yeah, and he's pretty young. And he was young. You know, he's 13 now. I think he was maybe 10 at the time. And... You know, I called you one day and said, hey, I'd love to get your input on this. You know, what do we do? And I, the advice you gave me I thought was really good is you said you shouldn't ever be threatened by the artificial when he's getting the authentic at home. Yeah. And it actually gave us a lot of peace, and it's held true. Mm-hmm. You know, three, four years later, my oldest mm-hmm. is the one that's the most open with us. We, he talks to us about everything. He's got a very strong sense of right and wrong. And... We de- we definitely let him go into some situations that we maybe wouldn't have, yeah. trusting, you know what, God's design is screaming inside of all of us. We yeah. can't deny what the Holy Spirit placed in us. Totally. And he's coming home and he's seeing a loving father and a loving mother who love each other deeply. That's what his heart's going to cry out for. And so that would be the last thing I would say is... Finding out how to position your children in yeah. scenarios where they're able to see and experience God's design for relationships. If you're a single parent, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to demonstrate that in a, in a marriage per se that you're mm-hmm. in. But putting them in situations where they're able to see pastors or leaders or baseball yeah. coaches or sports coaches that, yeah. that demonstrate that so that they're, they're going to be drawn to that by nature of how they were created. Yeah, and I would add to that, stay connected. Yeah, I mean, what the one thing that you don't want to do is break your connection with your with your teenagers, mm-hmm. because then you lose the ability to influence them. It's true, and it's so hard. It, it, it it's a it is full time job to it stay is. connected to teenagers, especially when they're so busy. Like my oldest is yeah. twelve, and he'll have practice four nights a week in some seasons of our life, and it's like, when do you even? We have to fight for it. Like we have to. Yeah get up early and go work out with him. I don't want to work out with him, but I get up, I got to get up early and go work out with him just so I can find that point where we have an opportunity to talk. So good. And I, I do think that what you said is so powerful. It's important that we speak truth to them in love in an understanding way. Obviously, diplomacy is important. Staying connected is important. I remember when Jay, I've told the story many times, when Jason when I, you know, Jason was going through like a six-month depression, 
I finally caught him in the laundry room one day, closed the door and said, you know, what's going on? I'll cut the the story short. But he said, Dad, I'm a homosexual. And I asked him why he thought he was homosexual. And I I had no idea that that's what what he was going through. I wouldn't have predicted it It was a long time ago before homosexuality was a a thing, really. And he said, well, he told me he had oral sex with this kid, this on ongoing yep and i and i asked him what does that have to do with you being a homosexual (laughs) and he said well i liked it i said well if you masturbated would you be a handsexual (laughs) (laughs) we both had a laugh and he said well no i said well your bad behavior doesn't identify that's great it doesn't that's not who you are it's what you've done yeah and so but i think that i look back now and of course at, at that time you know, at that time, homosexuality was, it wasn't being taught in the school system. And yep. we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have any social media in those days. You know, it was just, the internet was just being birthed. Yep. And so, you know, but I look at it now and I think, man, if that would have been, if Jay would not had a dad in our day and then went to school and said, well, you could be a bisexual, homosexual, transsexual, pansexual, whatever, whatever else. Yep. I mean, I think it would have put him in 10 years of struggle before he found himself. Absolutely. So it's really important that we, you know, know well the condition of our flocks, you know, yep. of our, and that we do pay attention to what's going on. Yep. And that we have the courage uh, to actually confront in a loving, kind way and say, what's going on? Ask, I, I love, love what you said. It's beautiful. What, um, man, raising kids, it's tough. It's the hardest thing I've ever done by far. Yeah. <laughs> by far. <laughs> yeah. What else would you say to parents that are watching? We're going to have so many parents watching this yeah. video. I would, I, I think you probably couldn't overemphasize connection. Yeah. And, and going after their heart. If, if, you, if you chase their heart, you'll get their life. Yeah. If you're trying to correct their life, you'll probably lose their heart. And it's really critical <laughs> That's a fine line. It is. It is. I mean, and I'm not, by that, I don't mean don't correct. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel there's seasons where I'm like, gosh, I feel like all I did today was correct all day long. Like, seriously, like that feels like all I did. I look at my kid. Do you like being in trouble all day? No, I don't like having you be in trouble all day. (laughs) Exactly. Can we fix this? Exactly. Can you just behave and (laughs) give us both a break? Can you not slap your brother just for looking at you, please? (laughs) Uh, But I think... And, and the busier our culture gets, the harder connection is, the harder chasing their heart becomes. Yeah. And the more creative you have to be in ways that you do it. Yeah. You know, like we're, you know, I'll just vulnerably use an example from our own life. Like I feel right now, you know, I try to on a weekly basis assess where I'm at with each kid. Like, yeah. Do I feel connected with him? Do I feel connected with my daughter? Do I feel, you know, and trying yeah. to assess that. I'm looking at this, That's wise. the season ahead. And yeah, because I'll look and say, oh, I don't feel connected with Cade. Yeah. Hey, Cade, you want to go out and play soccer for 20 minutes because he loves to play soccer and we'll go kick the ball around, you know, and, and try to do a, a weekly check-in. With four kids, it's really tough. It's hard at, at those ages, too. At those ages. And so, like, one of the things we're doing right now is all three of my boys are really into sports. Yeah. You know, and they're, they have practices in, in January. Their sports all start back up again after <laughs> when we get through the holiday seasons. You know, I don't know when this is, you know, when people are going to watch this, but when we're recording it, yeah. we're in a nice lull. Yeah. This storm is coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm looking ahead like, oh, man, we're not going to be able to connect a ton because of practices. So I actually went and looked at YMCA memberships today. 
because yeah. my kids love to go there. And I thought, well, what if we all do the Y, the y together before school three days a week? You know, and so I'm trying to look ahead at where I can make sure to do this because uh, I don't want to be caught off guard with a question or a situation or a confession that I don't have the relational connection to steward that moment. That's really good. We got about five minutes, and I'd like to ask you a question. How do I create? Because what we've talked about right now is kind of reacting or responding to, yeah. you know, a negative culture, right? Mm-hmm. Homosexuality, transgenderism, we have yep. all this craziness. How do you create a healthy sexual culture that your kids can grow up being nurtured and healthy sexuality in your home? What yeah. is that? What's it mean? Yeah, that's something we do, we do a lot of teaching on. We actually mm-hmm. created a course specifically for this. We have a couple of them, actually. And the, the really the thing that we, to, to simplify hours of, of content and teaching that, yeah. you know, you could do a whole seminar on this, but uh, you want to get rid of the idea of the talk. Like, that's probably the worst thing that ever happened. The talk. Oh, man. Like, I'm going to sit your kid down and... <laughs> like, do, do we only t- talk about sex once a year? So good. Like, yep. we have to get rid of the idea of the talk. I mean, that has absolutely obliterated the ability for a parent to teach a kid a healthy sexual belief system. Yeah, just just so that people don't misunderstand, because I know your message and yep. I know you. We're not saying you shouldn't have a talk. You should have countless talks. <laughs> we're talking about a culture. Exactly. Right. Like, whenever we do this, when we're speaking or we do a, an mm-hmm. in-person session, I'll yep. always ask everybody in the room, how many of you had a had a great home life where your parents talked about sex in a healthy way all the time? Raise your hand. Nobody raises their hand. <laughs> exactly. And the next question is, well, how did that silence work for you? Yeah, how did it work out? And everybody in the room, it left me feeling like I didn't know answers. I had to figure things out on my own. Well, for us, when we didn't know what to do, you talk to a friend. Now they go to Google. Which is like... Like them being their, it's like their worst friend you'd ever want them to talk to. Absolutely. Almost 80% of pornography is now violent. Exodus Cry did a uh, documentary called Raised on Porn, and one of the statistics they found is that for a kid who is surfing for pornography, let's just say a 13 year old that accidentally found it, it would take him 13 minutes of clicking through to get to nonviolent porn. So if we don't create an environment in our home where my kid can ask any question anytime using any language that he wants, he's going to go to the internet. She's going to go to the internet. And what they're going to find is going to be detrimental to their ability to have a healthy marriage 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road. How do you initiate? Like, here's the challenge, right? If you wait till your kids are 15 and you're like, you're okay, done. we're going to have a healthy culture now. The, the, yeah. the challenge is, is that that's... Got to start early. Got to start early. Yeah, so we, we encourage people, again, back to the line, discovery conversations. Yeah. So we we started these conversations. We've started, actually, with all of our kids, you know, my youngest was probably four. Yeah. You know, we started having these Age conversations. Yeah, you're not giving them all the information. Yeah. You're asking questions about what they currently know. Yeah. And then you're just establishing... When we talk about this, there's no discomfort. Like my, my oldest came home when he was in fourth or fifth grade. We're driving home from baseball practice, totally casual. And he goes, hey, Dad, a couple of the kids at school said that, like, girls suck on boys' penises. Is that a thing? And for him, there was no alarm to the question. Yeah, he, was, he just never heard it before. 
And he came and asked me about it. Now I have an opportunity right there to freak out or to match his tone. He has come to me casually asking a question with no alarm in his voice because he didn't know to have alarm about this when he talks to his dad. The last thing I want to do is teach him with my response that when you ask me about this, you should have alarm. Yeah, you should. There's shame attached to this. Exactly. So we just sat there and casually for four minutes. I said, well, actually, that's a part of sex. I'd love to tell you what sex is. Do you think you're ready to know? He goes, no, I don't want to know what sex is yet. I go, all right. I go, but you know, in a couple of years when you go to middle school, we're going to have to talk about it. And I'll explain that more to you then. And yeah. he goes, okay. I go, do you have any other questions about it now? And he goes, no, I don't even think I want to think about it anymore. <laughs> I go, great. But if you do, I need you to come and ask me when yep. you have more questions. Cause I don't want you to get on the internet. And he goes, okay, I'll do that. Super simple. We didn't make it ruin the whole night. Cause he came home and asked about oral sex. We just simply have reestablished Hey, we have a culture. You can talk about whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want to talk about it when you're talking to it with us. Yeah. We're going to answer any question you ask because we don't. We're, we're, there's no such thing as the talk. There's a culture that we're trying to build where they're comfortable about asking those types of questions and having those types of conversations. That's so good. Okay, how do people get in touch with you? What are some of the resources you have? Yeah. And um, what else would you like to say as we end this conversation? Yeah, that's great. Uh, moralrevolution.com. We have more resources than I could count. We have um, date well for men and women for uh, young adults that are wanting to know how to how do I get healthy and date well and actually have a relationship that can lead to marriage. We have parent well for parents that are looking for and the parent well we've brought in. I mean, act, literal experts. We have a sexologist, a doctor of psychology from Wheaton College. We have a doctor of psychology from, that does connection codes, Dr. Glenn Hill. Um, and we basically have a, brought in all the people that we've used personally. Uh, you're a part of it. You know, we have a mm-hmm. lot of great people here at Bethel that are a part of it um, that help resource parents on what to do. We have a series called Sex Church Culture for Leaders. I mean, you go to our website, you could probably find a blog, a podcast, or a resource for just about any area, any topic of sexuality. If you're in a marriage and you're trying to recover from marital unfaithfulness, we have a, a course for you. I don't wow. just, there's, you're, you would go to our website, you'd be hard pressed not to find the topic that you need at moralrevolution.com. And then on that website, from there, you can get to the change website. You can get to change. You can get to Equip to Love. Equip to Love, um, yeah, which are all dealing uh, mostly with homosexuality, yep. transgenderism. And you're going to find stuff there. Like, we do a lot of cross-pollination. Like yeah. We have a lot of blogs that Ken and Elizabeth have written that'll, that are on the Moral Revolution blog page. Uh, yeah, so lots of, lots of resources. We are trying to create resources for every possible scenario that somebody would need. Cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Appreciate it a lot. You're an amazing man. Love your leadership. Love Kate's leadership. And uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.